You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. Welcome. We're happy to have you here. Happy Mother's Day. I know my mom's sitting over there, so we're excited to celebrate the mothers today. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand and uh, sing the song with us. true love instead of pain there's freedom though you captured me i've got joy instead of mourning there's beauty in my brokenness i've got true love instead of pain there's freedom though you captured got joy instead of mourning. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. There's beauty in my brokenness. I've got true love instead of pain. There's freedom though you captured me. I've got joy instead of mourning. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. I've never been so free, caught in your love for me. I've never been more secure, knowing your heart, Lord. I've never been so free. Caught in your love for me I've never been more secure Knowing your heart, Lord I've never been so free Caught in your love for me I've never been more secure Knowing your heart, Lord I've never been so free Caught in your love for me I've never been more secure somebody.
Good morning, Kensington. We're so glad that you're here today with us for the final Sunday in our series, Beginnings, the Start of the Church. I'm Jenny Warns, and I'm the Discipleship Director at Kensington's Birmingham campus. I'm also mother to four energetic and amazing children, and I wanna wish all you other moms a very happy Mother's Day. Before we begin our service, I want to let you know about a few things happening here at Kensington. Our next Faith in the Family online event is on May 24th. Now, these special online events are created by our KKID staff to encourage and inspire families with relevant life topics. Our next event is called My Child with Differing Abilities, and we'll hear the personal stories of two women from our community who share a deep friendship and a common bond as mothers of children with special needs. Taylor Leal, who works on staff in KKIDS at the Troy campus, and Tessa Stockman, a longtime Kensington attender, are hosting this evening. Taylor and Tessa hope to bring their own experiences, both highs and lows, to encourage other families on the special needs journey. So please share this free online event with others. Info and free registration are at kensingtonchurch.org slash faith and family. Now we also want to tell you about our in-person program for those with differing abilities here at Kensington. It is so important to us that everyone feels welcome as they come through our doors and has a place to connect here, including children, teens, and adults with differing abilities, their families, and their caretakers. Kensington Friends, or K-Friends, is offered at our Troy and Orion locations and is a time where differently abled teens and adults can be in community while also being given the care and attention they need. K-Friends provides an environment where everyone affected by a disability can grow in their knowledge and faith in Christ, build understanding friendships, and make memories at special events like bowling, baseball, and dance parties. One mother described K-Friends this way, I have a place where we fit in and where I don't need to explain my son. Find out more at kensingtonchurch.org slash kensington-friends. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Let's make sure we all show our appreciation and just how much we love our moms. Good. My name is Taylor and I'm one of the kids directors here and we just want to say welcome. And for those of you who are streaming online, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you just saw a lot of fun things that we are doing around Kensington and one of those is so near and dear to my heart. I see my friend Tessa out there today. My friend Tessa and I are going to be leading um, one of our faith and family events online and we're, we would love for you to join us if you have um, a family or a friend who has a child with special needs. Um, I also want to highlight some other fun things that are happening at the Troy campus. So for those of you who maybe you've attended midweek before or you, if you've never attended midweek, we would love for you to come out and join us this Wednesday. Um, I heard that there's going to be pizza. So this is going to be a very family-friendly midweek. We want you to come early and eat with us. I know the worship team loves seeing kids running up and down the aisles and worshiping. Am I right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Um, so just bring your family, come and eat with us. We would love to hang out with you. And then after, we have a really special thing going on too. So if you are part of our 30s to 40s single community, we're gonna be having desserts for you after midweek um, and ch at Chubby's where the coffee area is. So if you are part of that community and you just want to meet people and hang out and eat desserts with us, we would love to invite you to that after midweek. And I can't, go, I can't go any longer without saying happy Mother's Day to all of the ladies and the caregivers out there. Yes. I know that today, for some of you, you felt like victorious, like we, we got this, this is so fun. I love being around. Some of you feel so joyful today. Some of you feel um, like it's chaotic, if you're anything like me. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old at home and just getting here was a miracle. And I also would like to note, you guys, I picked my outfit a, a year in advance. Go ask your dad. Not doing it today. <laughs> um, I know, and I'll be wearing it next year too, so just look out for me in the lobby. Um, but I also, I know that today can, can also highlight some of the pain that's in the room and some of the loss 
that happens. Mother's Day tends to do that as well. And so we wanna acknowledge that. And not just from our staff family, but I think I can speak on behalf of all of you that as, as a Kensington family, we just wanna say we are so glad that you're here. We're, we, we hope that you feel loved and you feel in community with us because um, we, we love you and we wanna be doing this with you. So let's just give another round of applause to all of the women here today, the caregivers. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And so for all the women out there, I know every, so every woman, woman, every woman is a daughter and we have someone really special on stage who is going to be leading us in a song in just a minute. This is Ava. Can you guys give it up for Ava? Yeah. I'm making them clap a lot today. Um, Ava is obviously a daughter and she wrote a song called Caroline and it's about a, a, the relationship between a daughter and a parent um, and she's going to be leading us through that in a minute but I would just love for you to talk about kind of, you wrote it, it's your song, so can you just give us the heart behind like what inspired you to write it, what is it about and just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So I wrote this song about two years ago uh, when one of my parents was gone on a business trip and I was really missing them. And this song is about a parent, from a parent's perspective of just watching their kid grow up. And this song especially holds true to me now because my last day of high school is on Friday. So, um, <laughs> woo! I know, <laughs> made it this far. Um, yeah, so Big that's really exciting. And um, this song is really just about um, a parent just telling their kid to trust in the process and uh, to trust in their self. And this also reigns true for our relationship with Christ, just trusting in his plan as he trusts in us uh, to fulfill that. So yeah, I'm really excited to share this with all of you. I love that, Ava. And this today was actually the first time I got to hear that song. And it's so moving to hear, like, I mean, having kids myself, like I just, it was so moving to hear the perspective, like you were speaking on the perspective of a parent, so my perspective, but as the child, yeah. and that was so incredible. So Yeah, and in, um, in the third verse, I say, um, just know no matter where you go, I won't be far away, and that line uh, really holds dear to my heart because my parents actually wrote lullabies to me and my sisters that they would sing to us before we went to bed, so and <laughs> that line is uh, the last line of the lullaby that one of my parents wrote for me, so it's just a special shout out to them. And I love that. Well, wait no further. You guys enjoy this song. It's a scary world out there But I am right here And tears are falling from your eyes But there's no need to fear Cause right around that river bend Is what you want, you will succeed just listen to your heart and then, young spirit, you'll be free. So don't cry, Caroline. Chase your dreams and hold them tight. Don't cry, Caroline. It'll all be alright. Oh. 
And I love that song because when I was standing there just listening to it again, it just was a reminder to me. It's not only a parent's heart towards their child, but also God's heart towards us. And so especially for us, for those of you who are mothers, caretakers, and just even parents in general, just a reminder that God is with us, not only in the great victories, but also in the challenges as well. Because it's hard being a mom. It's hard being a parent. But something that else that we want to celebrate about you, Ava, is not only are you going to be graduating high school, but this fall, you're going to be going to Belmont University down in Nashville. And this song actually helped you. You're not just going to any program. It's just really a special program. And so I'd love for you to tell us how this song just opened the door for all of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's kind of a God story with um, what I wanted to do with my future. I was honestly planning on going to Michigan State or a school just like that to become a lawyer. And... Um, Obviously, music is my passion, and I was like, God, you know, if you want me to write songs, if you want me to do that, I need you to show me. So I applied to all of the best schools. I applied to Belmont, um, Berkeley, and NYU, and I used this song, and I got into all of those programs, and so... <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I'm very excited to be attending Belmont University next fall and majoring in songwriting. So I'm very excited. That's amazing. Give her another hand. Thanks for sharing your story uh, and your song you. with us, Ava. That song is such a powerful song. And the fact that Ava wrote it, obviously it means even more to our community and just celebration of all of you moms and parents here. But today, in addition to celebrating moms, what we're also going to be doing is we're going to be wrapping up the series that we've been in for the last few weeks. And this series, in this series, we've been looking at the early church in the New Testament book of Acts. And the series title has been Beginnings, and that we've been looking at the beginning of the church. And just to back up in the story a little bit, it really starts, we've really picked it up at Easter with the resurrection of Jesus and celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, what happened was, was that he actually told his followers not to go anywhere. He actually spent 40 days after he rose again, just spending time with them. And right before he returned to heaven, he told them, don't go anywhere, but actually stay in the city of Jerusalem. Because he wanted them to stay there because he had a gift for them. A gift that would allow them to do what he had called them to do, which is actually what we're going to be hearing about in this song. And if we're a Jesus follower, this is what our mission is, to do exactly this. And so let's step into this next song. Let's step into this next moment together. On Christ alone our chief cornerstone no other foundation can we build upon not philosophy nor the
a Jesus follower, this is what God has asked us to do, what he's called us to do, to build his church. And the church isn't a what, but rather it's a who. It's not a building. It's not four walls, but rather it's a body, a body of believers. It's you and me. And God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit to help us to do this, to empower us to do this. And when the Holy Spirit came, as we see in the book of Acts, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that when the Holy Spirit came, it was a supernatural, extraordinary event. And the Jesus followers who were there, they started speaking in all of these different languages that they didn't know before. And so there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of commotion. And so the people in the city of Jerusalem, they came because they wanted to see what was going on. And they saw something that they had never seen before. And so Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, he stood up and he explained to the people who were looking on what was happening. 
but he also told them about Jesus and what he had done, not only for them, but for all of humanity. And we're told that about 3,000 people made the decision to follow Jesus that day. And many of these people, they started meeting together regularly. And what began to take shape was something truly beautiful and powerful, a movement that would eventually spread and change the course of human history, a movement that continues to transform the lives of people all around the world, a movement called the church, which we have been asked to build and which we're gonna be looking into more today. And so as we wrap up our series today and continue on, would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful, God, for you and who you are, God, and this mission that you have given us to build your church. And thank you, Lord, that we're not alone in doing this, that we don't have to do it by our own strength, our own wisdom, by our own power, Lord, but you have given us the Holy Spirit to do exactly this, God. And so as we move through this message and as we move through the rest of the day, God, we pray that you would speak to us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. But Lord, we also wanna say thank you, Lord, for our mothers and our caretakers, Lord, whether they're here in the room or whether they're watching on stream, God. Thank you, Lord, how we see your heart in them, God, and how they live their lives, how they lead their children and impact them, Lord. And so today we pray that they would feel honored, that they would, be, that they would feel celebrated, God. And ultimately, Lord, that in the work that you have called them to do as mothers, Lord, that they would know that you are with them, giving them everything that they need. Lord, may we love them well today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. And so as I was thinking about today, and as, we are thinking, as I was thinking about the church, I was reminded of the very first church I ever worked at. And it was a church out in New Jersey. And I will never, ever forget my first week on the job working there. And I remember this one afternoon, I was sitting in my office, just trying to get some work done and trying to get a few things organized, when a woman named Terry, who was our children's ministry director at the time, she walked in. And she told me she was waiting to meet with our senior pastor, a guy by the name of Rick. And so she was waiting, and in the meantime, we had never met. And so she came to introduce herself and we started talking, getting to know each other. And then eventually Rick walked in and we all started having a conversation together, laughing together, and it was a great moment. And then in the middle of the conversation, Rick turned to her and asked her what she wanted to talk to him about. So right there in the middle of my office, she says to him, I know we've had a lot of conversations about this, but I just really don't feel like this job is the right fit for me and it's not gonna work out. So she basically quits right then and there. But then she threw in this caveat and said, hey, you know what? I'll stay for as long as you need until you guys find somebody else. And I remember in that moment, looking at Rick's face, and in a split second, he went from looking like this to looking like this, with like fire coming out of his ears. And he said to Terry in that moment, give me your keys, you're fired. And then she tried to say something to hopefully, I don't know, maybe to sort of smooth things over, but it only made things worse. And Rick just cut her off and said, get out. And mind you, happening right in my office. And I'm sitting there first week on the job thinking, I have no idea what's going on. I have no context for this. And I even thought about leaving, but I couldn't because they're standing right in front of the door. But let me say, it gets worse because after Terry left, Rick took her keys and he threw them across the room against the wall and then he stormed out. First church job, first week on the job for me. And I'm thinking, to, and we had moved halfway across the country to be a part of this community. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what in the world did I get myself into? Because you know what? I didn't think it would be like this working at a church because I thought everyone who worked in a church context all got along, had fun, laughed together, gave each other hugs all the time. But clearly this church had not received that memo. And if you've been a part of this church or any other church for any length of time, you understand there's no such thing as a perfect church. It's a mirage. And there's no such thing as that. It just simply doesn't exist. And I love when it comes to perfect churches or churches in general, I love the words of an author and an Anglican priest named Nicky Gumbel. He's so incredibly insightful. It's funny too. And this is what he says. He says, stop looking for the perfect church. It doesn't exist. Even if it did exist, the moment we joined it, it would no longer be perfect. Isn't that so true? And honestly, maybe some of us, whether we're here in the room or whether we're watching on stream, maybe we've been looking for that perfect church 
And the thing is, is that if you ever, this is always the, the invitation that I give. If you ever find a perfect church, please come and talk to me because I will leave and I will go and join you, right? But the thing is, it just doesn't exist. And when we look at the early church in the New Testament book of Acts, sometimes the temptation may be to look at that story, to look at that community and to think, oh, you know what? They were perfect. They didn't have any problems. They didn't have any issues. But if you actually look closer into that community, you see that they had plenty of problems. They had plenty of challenges and obstacles that they faced as well. Some very similar to what we face today. But at the same time, let me also say this. When you look at that church community, just like every church community, including this one, there was a lot of beauty there as well. And so what we want to do is we want to take a closer look at the early church and specifically two commitments that they made that were instrumental in forming them and in, informing in them in becoming the community that God had called them to be. And when we actually look at this early community, what we actually talked about is that, and we talked about this previously, and I mentioned this, is that after the Holy Spirit came, and 3,000, about 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus. These Jesus followers, many of them, they started meeting together. And we're going to be looking at the story in Acts chapter 2, which is in the New Testament. And it tells us, Luke, who wrote this account, this is what he tells us that they did. It says that they devoted, meaning they being the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so what we begin to see is that these group, this group of Jesus followers, they made two very important commitments. And these commitments sustained them in the midst of a culture that was not only hostile to their faith, but at the same time, it propelled them forward to becoming the community that God had called them to be. And the very first commitment that they made was a commitment to faith, specifically to growing their faith. Because as we read, one of the commitments, one of the things that they were devoted to was that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, which basically means the scriptures, and that they read the scriptures. They studied them. They memorized them. They meditated on them. And if, we, and if you actually look at the story of the early church, what we see is that it changed them. It transformed them. And it's because of the power that's present in these words. Because the Bible isn't just any book, but rather it's the word of God to us. It's one of the primary ways that he speaks to us. And this is the thing, that these words themselves, they don't have power. Because if you read, and it's for the definite article, the, it's not more powerful in this book than another book. But the reason why these words are so powerful is because they point us to the one who is able to transform. They point us to the one who has the greatest power in the universe. And so this is what they had experienced. And this is incredibly transformative and it has the power to do that. And we actually read this in another part of the scriptures in this Old Testament book called Isaiah. And this is what the prophet Isaiah says to us about the Bible and about the scriptures. He says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For ye shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And so it's an interesting passage and it's a lot there. But what the prophet Isaiah does is that he gives us a word picture to tell us about the purpose of the Bible. And it's this picture of rain and snow coming down and watering plants. And the rain and snow represents the word of God. And so what Isaiah tells us is that when it comes down, when the rain and snow comes down, is that if you have a thorn bush, instead of a thorn bush growing, and we all know probably what a thorn bush looks like, maybe some of us have even touched it, it's not a very pleasant plant, right? But instead of a thorn bush, what will grow in its place is a cypress tree. And that also, he says, that when the rain and snow comes down, that instead of a briar, which is this desolate desert plant, that if you actually touch it, it'll burn and it'll sting, that instead you'll get a myrtle tree, which is a beautiful, fast-growing tree. And when you actually think about it, what he's saying makes absolutely no sense. Because if you have a thorn bush in your backyard and it rains and you go out the next day, what do you expect to see? 
You expect to see a bigger thorn bush. That if you have a briar in your backyard and it rains or it snows or there's precipitation, what do you expect to see the next day? You expect to see a bigger briar. You don't expect to see a different tree. This is not transformers, right? This is not normal. But he's giving us this word picture to tell us of the transformative nature of the word of God, that it has the ability to change the very core of who we are. That when we read it, that when we interact with it, that when we internalize it, what happens is is that we don't become a bigger, better version of ourselves, but rather it has the ability to change us into a new and different person. And back in 2012, a man by the name of Kenneth Bay, who's a U.S. citizen, he was arrested in North Korea for bringing in a portable hard drive containing sensitive Christian information. And this was big news in the Korean-American community and also got some national attention. Maybe some of you saw news stories about him. Maybe you read some news stories about him. And Kenneth knew that it was illegal to do this, but it was a mistake on his part because that morning he was in a rush to catch a bus from China to North Korea and he forgot this hard drive was in his bag. And he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor and forced to work 10 hours a day, six days a week, shoveling coal, working out in the fields, digging trenches in the extreme heat and cold. And he said that the first few months that he was there, it, took, it was such a hard, he, it took such a toll on his body and he was so malnourished that he lost 50 pounds in a matter of three months. And his living conditions were absolutely terrible. But the North Koreans, they allowed him to have a Bible. And he said that during the time that he was imprisoned, that he read that book cover to cover more than 18 times. And it was the encouragement, it was the hope, the strength that he received from those words that allowed him to get through each day. But he also shared that in his first year in prison, that every single day, multiple times a day, he would pray and say to God, Lord, would you please save me? Would you please bring me home? Which is a natural prayer, because if I was in his position and if you were in his position, we probably would have prayed the same thing. But then he received a letter from his mother. And in this letter, his mom said to him, my son, my greatest prayer and my greatest hope for you is, is that you would have a faith like Daniel's three friends. And who Daniel's three friends were is that this story is found in the Old Testament book of Daniel. And his, Daniel's three friends, their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were thrown into a furnace for refusing to bow down to the king at the time. And so Kenneth's mom, what her request of her son, what her prayer for her son was, was that she would have a faith like theirs, a faith that believes that God is powerful enough to save him. But even if he doesn't, that he would faithfully serve God, even in his circumstance. And so he went back and he read, reread the story of Daniel and it began slowly to change him. And it even changed the way that he prayed in that he stopped praying, Lord, save me, Lord, bring me home. And he started praying, not my will, but yours be done. And he said he actually gave up his right to go home. And it also changed the way that he saw because he no longer saw himself as a prisoner, but rather as a missionary. And he stopped seeing these guards as his captors and as his oppressors, but rather people who he had been sent to, to share the message of Jesus. And he said that crazy things after this, crazy things started happening, that guards would come up to him one after another, just sharing with him about their marriage, about their children and other personal issues and wanting to get his advice on things. And as he was having a conversation with these guards, he would tell them about who Jesus is and they had never heard even the name of Jesus before. And after 735 days, he was finally released. And in an interview right afterwards, a reporter asked him, if you could go back to that day in 2012 and remove that hard drive from your bag, would you? And he said, absolutely not. Because then all of those guards wouldn't have, a ch- wouldn't have had a chance to hear about Jesus. And he also said that I wouldn't have the opportunity like I do today to travel all around the world and to challenge people to pray for more than 25 million people, 25 million people in North Korea who do not know about Jesus, never even heard the name. And God changed him. He changed him through his word because that's what it's able to do. And when we look at the early church, we also see the same thing, something very, very similar happened and that they experienced this incredible transformation by being devoted to the apostles' teachings and they wanted others to experience the same. 
And so they were, do it, were willing to do whatever was necessary, even to be tortured and killed, which some of them were, so that others could hear about the message of Jesus that's contained in this book that we have. And maybe for some of us here, and maybe for some of us on stream, maybe we've never actually read the Bible before. And that maybe we've heard verses read here and there, like when we come to church, but we've never read these words for ourselves. Or maybe for others of us, maybe we read a verse here, a verse there over the years, but we've never consistently and intentionally engaged with this book. And if that is you and you want to take a step today, which I hope you do, and that you don't have a copy of the scriptures, the very first step that I would invite you to take is to download this app on your phone. And it's probably one of the most popular Bible apps in the world. It's been downloaded almost 8 million times. And I have it, many other people in this community have it as well. And it doesn't matter whether you're somebody who has never read the scriptures, you're somebody who has read it for decades. There are so many incredible resources on this app, whether it be Bible reading plans, devotionals, whatever it may be. But if you're somebody who just is beginning the journey of reading the scriptures, one of the questions that I normally get asked is, where should I start? Because it's a really big book. And one of the places that I usually recommend is, by read, is starting with reading the story of Jesus in the New Testament book of Mark. But another way that we can jump in and we can engage with the scriptures is that we have a course going on at 11 o'clock. It's actually happening right now out in the lobby and it's in the room in the lobby called the chat room and it's called Bible Basics. And it's really for anyone who wants to know more about the Bible and together as a community, we're able to journey along together. And so it's not too late to jump in and you can jump in next week as well. You can jump into a small group. You can come to midweek this week as well because as Taylor mentioned, it's happening on Wednesday night right here at seven o'clock. And let me also tell, say this about midweek. I'm really excited about this Wednesday because we're gonna be having one of our elders and her name is Peng Li Liu come and we're gonna have a conversation. And she's gonna be sharing about growing up in Taiwan and the obstacles that she faced. And then she came to the United States and she became a high level business executive in a male dominated industry. And she's gonna share about the challenges that she faced, not only being a woman in that industry, but also a person of color and how God has used her experiences, not only to shape her, but use her to impact the lives of the people around her. And so I'd love for you to join us, whether it's in person or via stream. But this is the thing about the Bible, that it's the word of God to us. And when you actually think about that, that's crazy. God speaking to us as his people. It's the greatest story that has ever been told. And it has the power to change who we are. And I've experienced it, and I know that many of you have as well. And as I was thinking about this whole idea of transformation, I was also reminded about something that's going to be happening next weekend. And after our Sunday services are done here, I'm immediately going to be going to the airport so I can go with, the other group, uh, with another group of guys to Kenya. And we're going to be visiting the Pokot people. And we have been involved with the Pokot for so many years. And we, ha we as a community, meaning all of us, we have a global partner there. And we have a, several initiatives there. And that we have a clean water initiative that has transformed the lives of so many people. We have a church planting initiative. We also have a child sponsorship program. And I went there about three years ago before the pandemic. And it was extraordinary being able to see how Jesus has transformed not only individuals, but families and entire villages. And this is the thing, it's because of your generosity that this has been able to happen. And I know that for many of you, the reason why you are so generous in this regard is because you, your lives have been changed by God. It's been changed by reading this book. And so you want other people to experience this same transformation as well. And we are so incredibly grateful. And so after I come back, I'm really looking forward to telling you so many stories about what God is doing and how he's continuing to move in the lives of the Pocot people. But this is also what we want to do right now. We want to take a moment to receive our offering. And if you're somebody who's newer with our community, something that I want to say about this moment is that it's not primarily about money. It truly is about mission. Because our open-handedness, what it allows us to do, it allows us to move the mission of God forward, the mission that he has given us as a church community. And so if you would like to give, there are a number of ways that we can give, and you see it up on your screen. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977. And we can also give via the app or the website, which is how my wife Robin and I give. Or for those of us here in the room, there are also offering boxes at every entrance and every exit, and we can place our offering in there as well. But I want to say thank you for your generosity.
But going back to the story, what we see with the early church community is that the first commitment that they made was a commitment to faith. And then the second commitment that we see is that they made a powerful commitment to community. And I'm going to read the entire passage that we're looking at today. I know we read the first verse, and I'm going to reread that, but then I'm going to read the remaining verses. And this is what Luke, who wrote this account, tells us. It says that they, meaning the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And what fellowship means is that it means a spiritual togetherness, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And that what we see is that in this community, there was a powerful sense of community and that there was a genuine care and concern for one another. And there was also this spirit of sacrificial love and that if somebody had a need and I had extra, I would sell what I had and take and give it to them and others would do the same. And this is the type of community that God has called us as his church to be. And the type of community and the type of church that he has called us to be, it revolves around one word. And it's an incredibly special word. And I love this concept. Anytime I have an opportunity to talk about this, I get so excited. It's mostly at weddings, right? And I'll tell you why in a minute, but I love this concept. It is so incredibly powerful. And this is the word that it revolves around. It is the word covenant. And we don't use this word a lot really at all in our daily conversations. But what a covenant is and what a covenant does is that it establishes a relationship between two parties that's binding. And marriage is a covenant relationship. But at the same time, God has also called us as the church. He's created us as the church to be a covenant community, to have covenant relationships within this community. And if you hear nothing else, if you remember nothing else about what a covenant is, remember this. Because in a covenant community, the good of the community will always supersede, will always be more important than the good of the individual every single time. Because in a covenant community, it's about we, not me. And that's the total opposite of a consumer relationship, which all of us are familiar with because we have so many consumer relationships. And in a consumer relationship, the good of the individual will always supersede, will always be more important than the good of the relationship or the good of the community every single time. Because in a consumer relationship, it's about me, not we. And so a consumer relationship will only last as long as the other party is meeting our needs because we're only in it to get what we want out of it. So what this means is that if we can get what we want or what we need from this other party faster, better, more efficiently, we're gonna to try to break this relationship and we're gonna move over here because we're only in it to get what we want out of it. And one of the examples that I use to explain a consumer relationship is a relationship that we probably all have and it's with our cell phone carrier. And just by a quick show of hands, how many of you uh, have, a, have a relationship with AT&T or T-Mobile? Just by a quick show of hands. Put those hands up high. Awesome. Okay, so more than half the room. And so for those of you who do, my hope is, is that your phones actually work in this room because of the spotty service that you all get. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? I have Verizon and I have had a relationship with them for so many years and I love Verizon. I love their coverage. I love their customer service, love all of it. But this is the thing, as much as I love Verizon, if T-Mobile came to me and said, we will give you the same services at half the cost, you know what I do? I get on the phone and I would call Verizon and I would try to break my contract, break my relationship with them so I could go over to T-Mobile. And in trying to do this, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, you know what? I hope Verizon's okay. You know, I hope I don't hurt their feelings, right? I hope we can be friends even after this. No, I wouldn't think that. And you wouldn't think that either because we don't care. Because the only reason why we have a relationship, why we're connected is so that I can get what I want out of it. And they're the same thing. They want something from me. And so that's why we have this relationship. It's a consumer relationship. It's about me, not we. And this is the same mindset that we have when we go into places like Target or Panera or if you work out at Lifetime or if you go to Starbucks, right? It's this mindset of it's about me. And so when we go into these places, the questions that we're asking are, who is going to help me? 
Who is going to serve me today? Because we have been told, hey, you know what? The customer is number one. You're the most important. It's all about you because it's a consumer relationship. But this is what's so important to understand. This is not what God has created the church to be. And so when we have this mindset so often in our life that it's about me, it's about what I want, it's about having my needs met, it's so easy to take that same mindset and bring it into the church. To think when we are a part of this community, it's about me and having my needs met. But this community was always meant to be different. It's meant to be a covenant community where it is about we, not me. It's about the community, it's about the relationship, not any individual person or individual's needs. And so in a community like this, people aren't supposed to be asking questions like, how can I be served today? But rather the question that people need to be asking is who can I serve today? The question isn't who can help me today, it's rather who can I help today? It's not who's gonna reach out to me, who's gonna love me, who's gonna engage with me? That's the wrong question. The question that people ask in a covenant community is who am I gonna reach out to? Who am I gonna move towards? Who am I gonna love? Who am I gonna show kindness to? Who am I gonna be generous towards? Because it's not about me, it is about we. It's a very different mindset totally countercultural. And there are so many people in our community who have this mindset, but somebody who leads me and reminds me of this every week is a man named Hara. And you've probably never met him, but my guess is you've probably driven by him because he's one of our parking leaders. And, and Hara and Steve are out there almost every single week and you see them because they have those reflective jackets so you don't run over them, right? But that's them. And they are out there. It doesn't matter whether it's negative 10 degrees or 110 degrees, they are out there. And especially when the weather gets really bad, I'll ask Hara, are you okay, right? Are you, are you okay out there? Do you need anything? And every single time he says something uh, to the effect of, you know what, it's just a privilege to serve. I love this community. I love being out there and I love just helping out in this way. And it's always that. I've never heard this guy complain before. And he's also a part of a lot of different ministries in that he touches a lot of different parts of our community. He's also a part of a ministry that we have here called Full Throttle because he has an amazing engineering mind. And what Full Throttle does is that it fixes up cars and provides them to widows and other people in need. And, but I'll, at the same time, I'll never forget that about a year or actually last year, we hosted an event, a big event for Oakland County where thousands of people came through our doors. And so we wanted to show these people hospitality, good hospitality. And so we needed somebody to brew a lot of coffee. And so what Hara did that week was that every single morning before work, he woke up really early and he came in and he brewed all the coffee for hundreds, thousands of people that day. He even had a day off, woke up early and he came. And when I actually think about this covenant mindset where it's not about me, it truly is about we. He is somebody who embodies this and teaches me and leads me in such a beautiful example of this for me. And when we look at the early church, this is the mindset that they had. And it was countercultural and it was beautiful. And as a result, people were attracted to this beauty. Because we read in the very last portion of this passage, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People saw the way that they lived, the way that they loved each other, the mindset that they had. And they said, you know what? I want to be a part of that community. I want to be a part of that group because there's something in us as human beings that's just simply attracted to that. And so this is the thing. What if... Our community was like that. What if we had this mindset and not just some of us, but all of us? And what if when we, as a part of this community, what if we ask questions, not like who can help me today, but rather who can I help today? Not who's gonna love me and have my, how can I get my needs met, but how can I meet the needs of somebody else? Who can I love? Who can I be generous towards? Who can I move towards? That is a completely different mindset. And this is the thing today as well, is that some of the people who exhibit this, in addition to Hara, some of the people who exhibit this so well is all of you mothers. 
And I was thinking about this because you are so much about we, not me. And it's maybe because children and husbands are so incredibly selfish. Who knows, right? But you have this mindset. It's about we, not me. And you are some of the greatest leaders and greatest examples of this as well. But at the same time, today, we're not only celebrating mothers, but as Taylor mentioned today, for some, it's a day of pain as well. And it's a reminder of loss. And so what if we as a community also had eyes to see the people in our community who are hurting and whose heart is broken today because they are grieving at, for loss and something that they've lost in their life that is so important. What if we actually lifted our eyes off of ourselves and every single day we had eyes to see other people? And my guess is, is that people would notice because, and my guess is, is, as we continue to do this, that we would become a community unlike any other community in this world. So much so that even though people may be skeptical of what we believe, they would be drawn by the way that we love one another. What if we actually had this covenant mindset, which is a completely different way to live? And in addition to mothers, in addition to Hara, the ultimate example, the, the best example of somebody who had this covenant mindset was Jesus. And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be taking communion today and remembering and celebrating his sacrifice for us. And I'm actually gonna be reading a passage. But before I do that, I actually wanna invite our ushers to come forward to hand out the communion elements. And so when you receive these, if you could just hold on to them, because later on, I'm gonna, we're gonna take, be taking them together as a symbol of our unity in Christ. And for those of you who are streaming from home or wherever you are, if you're able to, we'd love for you to take part in this as well. And so if you wanna run to your kitchen and you wanna grab a cracker, a piece of bread, some juice or whatever you have on hand, we would love for you to take part in this as well. And there's this incredible passage in the New Testament book of Philippians. And the apostle Paul wrote these words. And it just really, through these words, we're able to see the covenant mindset of Jesus. And this is what Paul writes. In your relationship with one another, have the mindset, the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so the challenge that the Apostle Paul gives us is that this mindset that Jesus had in going to the cross, this mindset of we, not me, he says, have that same mindset as the church. Because when we actually look at what Jesus did, it wasn't about him. Because him being arrested, tried, tortured, and killed, nothing to do with him and everything to do with us. And that when we actually approach and are a part of the church and when we engage with this world, that we would have this same attitude, the same as Jesus. And so what we're gonna do is in a few moments, we're gonna take communion to remember that and to celebrate that. But before we actually do, we're, the band is gonna lead us in a song that truly reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice and what he did, not just for some of us, but for all of us in dying for us and rising again. So let's take these words in together. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the
So today we're gonna to be coming to the table together. And when I look at these elements, it's a reminder of the body and blood of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And the fact that because of what he did on the cross, that we have new life in him. But at the same time, this is also a reminder to us of what connects us as the community of Christ, as a covenant community. And that it's not an ideology, it's not a theology or any other ology, but rather it's the person of Jesus. And what he modeled for us in going to the cross, he says, this is the way that I want you to live. This same attitude, this same mindset, I want you to have as my church. And so as we come to the table today, that we would be reminded of those things. And the Apostle Paul tells us, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we're gonna take the bread together. And so there's a first layer. So if you wanna peel it back and take out the cracker, this represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. Let's take and eat together. And then with the juice, and I'm gonna read these words because I always forget this part of the, of the passage. Now Paul tells us in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take and drink together. And so in a moment, I am going to pray and then we're gonna end our service with just the second half of that song. But, before, and, but as I pray, I wanna invite you, if you are able, would you stand and then let's prepare ourselves for this last portion of the song and let's sing this together. But let me pray first. Lord, we are grateful for you and your sacrifice, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for us, God. And thank you that because you died and rose again, that we have life. But also, Lord, just as you modeled this mindset for us, Lord, of what truly covenant is, that it's not about me, it truly is about we. Give us the strength, Lord, and also the courage to live in that way because it is very different and it cuts across our human nature because so often our mindset is, what about me, what about me, what about my needs? But in the context of the church, of what you've created the church to be, God, help us to live in a completely different way. And as we do, Lord, we recognize that that will be a powerful message to this world, Lord, in communicating who you are and the life and the power that can be found in you. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body the 
What a great song to end on, and that is so true. It's not just any hope, but it truly is a living hope. And so as we end today, I want to say happy Mother's Day again. And in case it wasn't mentioned, we actually have mom mosas and iced coffee out in the lobby being served by our students. And so we are so grateful for all of you moms, grateful for our students as well. And come to midweek at 7 o'clock this Wednesday or stream. And also our prayer team will be down front for anyone who would like to receive prayer. But have a great rest of your weekend, everyone. And thanks for being here. Thanks for streaming, everyone. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.